Let's thank God for all this good preaching we've been hearing. Let's thank the Lord for it. Let's give God the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. This next speaker, Brother Joel Booker. And uh, he's certainly no stranger around here. Brother Joel Booker was born in Oklahoma. But thank God he was raised in California. Amen. And uh, he's, he's been raised in this uh, uh, Fresno meeting when it was PSR and then West Coast Conference. Uh, he's no stranger around here. And this meeting is not strange to him. This is where he cut his teeth. This is where he, he got some convictions and some direction for his life. And uh, years ago, his dad, his dad talked to me and his dad talked uh, to his children. And Brother Booker has always given his uh, children permission. Now, a reason for this is this. Brother Booker is their dad. And Brother Booker was their pastor. And then there is daughter-in-laws that that's their father-in-law and that's their uh, pastor and so brother booker has always given them permission said if 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 we've hit an impasse or there's a problem or whatever 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 said you have permission to call brother uh, morton and uh, i have talked with his children along the way in fact brother joel called me uh, the other day, and we had a, a long uh, a talk, and it was good. But I appreciate Brother Joel Booker. He has been a wonderful example for our young people in growing up. And, uh, and he also married a fine, fine young lady. He has a good wife. And uh, Brother Joel Booker has been a good example for young people to to follow and I appreciate him and love him very much and God has called him into the ministry and he's doing the work of the Lord and we want him to come and to deliver his soul let's worship the Lord as he comes oh that's it let's love him together all across this place I love you Jesus hallelujah Hallelujah. That's it. Let's lift our voice to him. He is worthy, 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 worthy. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Now let's clap our hands and give him praise. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many love Jesus today? How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon? Amen. There is no place I'd rather be than gathered together with God's people in His presence. Because as I've often said, anything can happen in an atmosphere like this. And I'm glad to be in a place where things can happen and things can move. I love being in the house of the Lord. Amen, amen. It's so good to be here with all of you and uh, with this great 
uh, congregation. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be here and I love and appreciate um, Elder Morton, as has already been mentioned, uh, that has affected so many lives. And I was thinking in, uh, with, in lieu of this conference coming up and uh, the effect he's had on our family and, and uh, just, just this fact, they're in both of my children's bedrooms and this is not something we consciously planned. It just is this way in my, my two boys, uh, that is, they, uh, I have a, there's a picture of Brother Morton in both of their rooms. And again, we didn't consciously say we're going to put one in there. He's just been part of our life. We love and respect him. And I want them to have that kind of man before their eyes. Amen. And so appreciate him. Appreciate the, the local church, Truth Tabernacle, and all the churches that have worked to see this happen. Aren't you thankful to be at West Coast 2013, where the truth is marching on? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And uh, so good to be here with uh, all the ministry and the ministering brethren, so many friends and uh, just just good good people here uh, gathered to, today. Good to be here with my family and uh, certainly good to be here with my wife. Brother Morton said, I got a good one. And I did. I got the best in all the world. And uh, next to the Holy Ghost, uh, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I love her. Good to be here with my uh, three children, my, my two boys and my, my daughter. And I love you, Trenton, Peyton, and Avalyn. And uh, glad they are here. Glad my parents are here, my mom and dad. Uh, some of the greatest Christians in all the world. What we just heard preached, that man over there and that woman live. And I love them so much. And uh, this seems to be the week of uh, Brother Lambeth mentioned his mother-in-law. And so I will mention my mother-in-law and I'm happy to do it. She's here and she's a great lady. And the glad that she is here with us uh, this week. Amen, amen. And how many have appreciated all the preaching that has gone on in this place? I love the preaching of the word. Amen. I, I tell you, it's when the preaching's going forth that I've been changed. It was David that talked to himself one time. In Psalm 103, he began to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. You need to have somebody speaking to your spirit. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he began to enumerate them. He forgiveth all thine iniquities. He healeth all thy diseases. He redeemeth thy life from destruction. He crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfieth thy mouth with good things. I'm glad I can be changed by words coming to me, by the power of the word of the Lord. Amen. Appreciated everything we've heard, Brother, uh, Brother Weeks and... Brother Brian Jones, Brother Blakely, Brother Lambeth, and then just now, uh, what a beautiful word of the Lord from a Christian that lives what he preached, and appreciate uh, Brother Townley so very much, and then looking forward to Brother Dudley tonight, and uh, so good to be here. I know you're standing, so let's go to the word of the Lord, the book of Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter 6, you've probably heard some preacher say it somewhere, uh, to use it as an excuse for preaching long. And uh, I'll just use it too because we may go there. Uh, but I, I don't preach long. I just preach in five-minute increments. Now, we may have a bunch of them linked one with the other before this is over today. But I will try to be mindful of the time. And uh, how many are hungry for the word of the Lord again this morning? Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter number 6. And I'd like to begin reading with verse number 13. Genesis 6 and verse number 13. 
The word of the Lord says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Verse 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and in and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third story shalt thou make it and behold I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die I want to bring your attention again to verse number 16 God in giving the construction and the setting of the ark the pattern of the ark There was an insistence, verse 16, that a window shalt thou make to the ark. A window shalt thou make to the ark. And I want to liken this window today to to spiritual seeing, to vision, to being able to see with eyes that have been washed by the Word and by the Holy Ghost. And today I want to preach on this subject, contending for the vision. Contending. For the vision. Let's pray today and that's ask that the Holy Ghost would meet us in this house today. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for your spirit and your word. Would you anoint us today? Would you talk to our hearts? We love and praise and worship you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with somebody before you're seated. Tell them I'm going to preach with the preacher today. Amen. And everyone said, praise the Lord. The text that we've read today from the book of Genesis is one that I am sure is uh, familiar and should be very familiar to every uh, saint of God that's lived for God for any length of time. And it is, of course, the passage of Scripture wherein God begins to speak to a man that out of all the earth had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God begins to speak to Noah and to to tell him about an impending flood, a worldwide flood that would destroy the earth. And as you know, the Bible lets us know that God not only had bad news for Noah, but he, as he always does, he had a plan of escape. He began to speak to Noah that Noah should build an ark. And God was very specific about how this this construction project should go, and and he had definite uh, uh, had definite thoughts about the manner in which this ark of safety, w- through which uh, humanity and the perpetuation of life would would be managed, he cared about how this ark was to be built. And I just I will stop today and tell you, God does care. He still cares about how the church is put together. And I'm glad to be a part of the church today. Can you say amen? And so he begins to speak to him. And in verse 14, there's just a few things I'll just very quickly brush on. 
as we move to, towards our subject today, the Bible says that God told Noah that, first of all, I want you to make an ark of gopher wood, and rooms shalt thou make in the ark. And this speaks uh, to me and to us today that, that God wanted separate rooms. This was not just going to be a vast open boat where animals roamed free and, and uh, everything just was a big mess, but, but there were rooms. There was, there was to be order and, and there was to be purpose. And, and so there was probably the, I don't know, the elephant room. And, and, and then there was the, the hippo room was over there and the, the monkeys went over there. And, and it, it speaks to us that, that God is interested that his church be put together right. He wants it to be decent. He wants it to be in order. He wants it to be put together right. And I, for one, want the church to be put together the way God wants it to be. Amen. And he, so he told him to build different rooms. And, but not only that, he, he spoke to Noah that Noah was to waterproof the ark. And this is not, I know this is basic Sunday school material right now, but, and it may not get much deeper than that, but I, I do understand that you've heard this before. And, and God speaks to Noah and tells him that, that I, I want you to waterproof the ark. I want you to pitch it within and to pitch it without. And, and I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't record the conversations of Noah's sons in the building of the ark, but based on the little bit I know about Ham, he may have had a little bit of a gripe to make uh, with this one here. And maybe he told his dad, you know, dad, it would be enough if we were just to, to pitch the ark within. And, uh, but, but what's this without thing? I mean, we're, we're, we're doubling up here. And maybe he even said, all right, we'll just do it outside. But we don't, we don't need to, to pitch it within too. And, and, and there's just no purpose. There's too much work. We got to build this giant boat. But I want to tell you that God has spoken to his father and Noah told his sons that you got to do within and you got to take care of the outside as well. And can I preach to you what you already know when it comes to the church? This, this thing is an inside and an outside matter. It's not enough to say I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside and I'm worshiping Jesus on Sunday night. There needs to be some action. There needs to be some lifestyle. There needs to be some words. There needs to be some dress on the outside that matches what goes on on the inside. And can I tell you, it's not enough just to have it on the outside. You, you got to have some Holy Ghost on the inside. I'm glad that the ark is put together by God and he cares about how it's put together. I'm glad to be a part of the church today. Can you clap your hands and worship him with me right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God went on to tell Noah that not only does that matter to me, but I want you to build this ark with very specific dimensions, build it and make it 300 cubits long and 50 cubits in breadth and 30 cubits high. And, and again, this, this tells us that, that God cared about these dimensions. He wasn't just going to leave it to chance. It wasn't just for them to do it however they wanted to do it. And, 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 and the point was that, that Noah, your wife, your sons, and their sons' wives, your sons' wives, they, they have to understand that there is a reason we are building this ark. There is a storm that is coming, and you've got to build it right. 
There is a flood that's going to come. It's, it's inevitable. And when the flood comes, it needs to be built according to the dimensions of the word of God. I, I want to tell you today, I'm glad to be a part of the church this morning. I'm glad the church has been built according to the specifications that God gave in his word. And I'm not here to cut corners. If he wants it 300 cubits long, I'm going to make it 300 cubits long. If he wants it 50 cubits wide, I'm not going to make it 40 or 45 because there's some proportion here. God's looking from above and he knows how this thing needs to be in order to float. Because brother and sister, the storm is coming and I want to be in the ark. I want you in the ark. I want my kids in the ark. I want my wife in the ark. I want your family in the ark. And I want the boat to float when the storm comes. And it's only going to float if we do it according to the word of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for the church today? Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. I, 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 but I want to point something out to you. This boat was all about getting ready for the storm. This boat was all about finding something that would float. Something that would stay afloat. And so it's interesting to me that, and we could talk about the fact that God said, put a door. You got to have a door. And we, we know the doctrine. We know the truth. You got to have the one God Jesus name at, uh, apostolic message. There's only one way into this boat. But it's interesting to me that in the middle of all this, that God tells Noah, I know this is all about making that thing float. I know it's all about certain dimensions that work and that engineers even to this day use. And I know you gotta waterproof it in and out and, and, and all this, it's about it floating because you got a family that's got to be saved in a world that's waiting on you. But in all that you do, Noah, listen up and pay attention. I want there to be a window in the ark. I want there to be a window that you place in the ark. And again, I can say, uh, see perhaps Ham, Noah's son, the whiny one, the carnal one, saying, Dad, what is the deal with that? We want this thing to flow. Well, you, you know, you don't want a lot of holes in the boat when you're going out in a storm. And the less holes, the better. I don't care if it's up there, if this is really going to be a worldwide flood. Let's just leave the window out. But Noah said, no. God spoke to me specifically. And if this thing is going to be everything that God wants it to be, it's got to be a boat that, yes, it's got a door, and yes, it's got rooms, and yes, it's pitched within and without. But it's got to be a boat that has a place of vision where you can see out and you can see what I want you to see. Because there's going to come a day at the end of this trip when you're going to need that window to know it's okay now to get out of the boat and to get out of the ark. And I've come to preach to a church today. I'm thankful for the door into the church. I love this one God Jesus name apostolic message. Oh, is there anybody that really still gets excited about there being a door to the church? It's not just for you and me and our family, us four and no more. But this boat is made to float. And there's a door where people can come in if they'll repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and talk in tongues when the Holy Ghost comes. 
Amen. And I'm glad this is a holiness message. This is a holiness church. I'm glad we care about the inside. And I'm glad we care about the outside. I'm not here to tear it down. I'm not here to say one will work. And we don't need the other. we got to have it both. Both. I love the church. I love holiness. I love righteousness. Amen, amen. And this is not the focus of my message necessarily. But can I tell you, there's a bunch of young men and women that still love this one God holiness message. We love it like it is. We really do. It's beautiful. It's appealing. It's exciting. It's lovely. Oh, hallelujah. I love the church. Anybody glad to be in the house of God today? Amen, amen. And you can be seated. I'm thankful for the rooms in the church. I'm glad there's different, different personalities and different groups and all the different stuff. It just adds spice to life. Do you know how boring it would be if everybody thought like you did? And can I tell you, in case you're wondering, they don't. I'm glad for the different rooms in the church. But I've also come to tell you, there is something that God insisted way back in the beginning in the ark that it had to be there. That has to be today. And there must be. That is. And that's what I've come to preach about. There's got to be vision. There's got to be sight. There's got to be Holy Ghost understanding. Of what God intends to do. I'm thankful for this boat. But don't ever board up that window. Don't ever put a a covering across the window. I I know there's a time for it to be closed and open and God opens and and all that. But don't take it away permanently. i got to have vision. There's a group of young people we want to know. That there's a God that rules in the heavens. And there's a God that's good at what he's doing. And there's a God that knows the future. And there's a God that's going to do great things in the future. Anybody excited about the prospect of the church today? You got to have windows in the church. You got to have a view in the church. I'm glad that I can see that God is on the throne. He's high. He's holy. Does anybody believe that? Is it okay if I preach over the noise of, of your favorite talk show host? Is it okay if I preach over the noise of your favorite periodical? Is it okay if I preach against the noise of what the naysayers have been saying? And can I preach to you today that the church is doing all right and God is in control? Oh, clap your hands and give God some praise. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching for a few moments. You can be seated. You got to have a vision before you can contend for the vision. You got to have a vision of the church. You got to see the church as it really is. I'm not here to be a Pollyanna and say there are no problems. I'm not advising you see it through rose-tinted glasses. But neither do we need to see the church through lenses that are tinted and colored with cynicism. You gotta see it right. Can I say it again? You gotta see the church just right. Can I preach to you about the prophetic, uh, 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 ministry of Jesus? The Bible says they, that, that they talked about him in Isaiah 11. The prophet said, 
that he would not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the hearing of his ears. That means he didn't just judge by what his physical eyes saw. Can I tell you some of the worst blindness is just seeing by what your physical eyes see. Can I tell somebody today the condition of the church is not based on what you see with your eyes. The health of the church, it's not even based on what you're seeing in your local church right now. You may have just come out of a hundred soul revival. Or you may have just come out of a six month famine where nobody seems to be getting the Holy Ghost. Nothing's moving. But the church is not based on what you are seeing in your local church. In fact... The, your, the vision of the church, it's not based on what you see in the churches around you. Oh, I'm going to preach to somebody today. It's not based on, on what you see in the region you're in or, or the church at large in the United States or, or globally across the world. You don't get the vision of the church from what you see with your physical eye. And I hope you're listening now as I tell you, there is only one place, there's only one primary place for you to see what God is doing in the church today. There's only one place to really get a clear glimpse and a clear view. And that is found right here in this old black back book. There's only one place to really see the church and you got to get it from God himself. You got to get the vision from the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a part of the church today. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I know. I know. Some of you are thinking right now, well, let me tell you what the Bible says about the church. And there are times when there's some dismal pictures. And I've read Revelation, the first three or four or five chapters myself. And I read where the Bible talks about the church of Ephesus, that local church that had left its first love. And I read about the church of Pergamos, that the Bible says that God had a few things against them. I don't want God to have anything against me. They had, lost, they had held the doctrine of Balaam. I don't want to hold the doctrine of Balaam. And had something against the church of Thyatira, that local church. They suffered that woman Jezebel to teach and seduce. I don't want that in my local church. They, they had allowed Sardis. and talks about Sardis had allowed. Uh, he speaks of that which livest. And, and yet thou art dead. And we all know about Laodicea. That that was, they didn't act cold nor hot. They were just lukewarm. And God was so sick of it. He said, I'm going to spew it out of your mouth. Those are pictures in the Bible. But can I tell you, those are local churches. And that's not the vision of the church at large that I read in my Bible. Is it okay if I give you the vision that I read in my Bible for a few moments? When I read in my Bible, the vision in total of the church it's it's the picture that emerges and arises from the pages of the bible the real picture the genuine picture the thing that i really want to see like god sees it's not a picture 
of a church that is dying. It's not a picture of a church that's on its deathbed. It's not a picture of a church that's on life support just trying to hold on till Jesus comes. Matter of fact, and I've come to preach to you today, the church, as per the real vision in the Word of God, it's not even sick. It doesn't even have the flu or a cold. It's not going down. It's not a sinking ship. And it's not a failed proposal. I've come to preach about the church today. Can I tell you what I read in my Bible? My Bible says about the church that Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. With a, I'm talking about the church right now. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Did anybody hear that? Doesn't sound like a sick church to me. Doesn't sound like a church that's about to go extinct to me. But it's a glorious church. Somebody shout, it's a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. I've come to preach to you about the vision of the church. And I've come to contend for that vision today. Amen, amen. That's why I read in Matthew chapter 16. I'm just going to take my time for a few moments. I read in Matthew 16 where Jesus himself began to wash Peter's eyes. And begin to give him new vision. And he began to tell him. He said, speaking of the church, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I've come today to fight against every devil in hell. I have come to contend for the vision. I've come to preach it just like Jesus preached it. I've come to tell you today, this is not my church. And this is not your church. But this is simply his church. And he said, I will build my church. I don't know what that does for you. But that puts some confidence in a young man. That the church is going to be alright. Upon this rock of revelation. I will build it. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. The gates of hell shall not. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I don't care who you've been listening to. I don't care what you've been reading. I've come to tell you, this is the greatest day to be alive. This is the day of the church. This is not the day of the government. This is not the day of academia. This is not the day of, this is the day of the church. And I will rejoice and be glad in what God is doing. Oh, hallelujah. Is it alright if I just preach about the vision of the church? I feel like he wants to wash somebody's eyes. You gotta see it before you can fight for it. You gotta feel it before you, you gotta fall in love with the church before you can really contend for the vision. You can be seated. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 48, the psalmist said, great is the Lord. How many believe that today? 
the psalmist then said, and greatly to be praised. How many believe he is greatly to be praised today? But that's, and, that, and some of us, we don't have any problem with that. But that's not where the psalmist stopped. He gave a vision of the church. He said, he is greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. You know what I wish would happen while I'm preaching? I wish some young men and some young women could have their eyes washed with the water of the word. And God could put in your eyes a vision of a church that is glorious. That is beautiful for situation. That is the joy of the whole earth. Would God that God would get a hold of a young man. You'd never be the same again. You'd never pray the same. You'd never think the same. You'd never study the same. You'd never preach the same. You got to see the church. It's perfection of beauty. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God hath shined. Is anybody glad for the church today? Amen. There's an old song that we used to sing. It just simply says about the church, it's been through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. It's been in the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it. Fed to the lions, but the lions couldn't eat it. Fought a lot of wars, but it's never been defeated. Well, it's the church triumphant, oh Lord. And it's built by the hand of the Lord. The song went on to say, I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation. It's built on the rock. It's got a firm foundation. It's been through the flood and it's been through the fire. But one of these days, the church is going to move up higher. Song doesn't say one of these days, the church is going to expire. The church is going to die. The church is going to get so sick and full of problems that it's going down. But the whole song just simply says, one of these days, it's moving up higher. And I'm talking about the church triumphant. And it's built by the hand of the Lord. If you feel that way, you ought to clap your hands and lift your voice and thank God for the church. Can you see the church? Anybody thankful for the house of God? Does anybody see it's alive and well and doing great? God's in control and God's on the throne. Amen. You can be seated. I, I, I don't want to go long today. But you got to see the vision before you can really fight for the vision. And really the only vision of the church that I find is found in the word of God. And you got to go all the way back to the beginning to find the vision. That's why I like reading. We're, we're a book of Acts church, are we not? That's why I like going to Acts chapter 2 and reading words like this. When the day of Pentecost. That's me. That's the church I go to. It's still a Pentecostal church. I can't hear what foolishness is going down the street at some kind of weird denominal church that stuck Pentecost and stuck it on their door. No, I'm a Pentecostal. My church is Pentecostal. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, can I preach about the church today? 
This is the only vision of the church. I don't care what you're seeing at home. I don't care what you're seeing abroad. I don't care what the charismatics are doing. I'm preaching about the church. And the Bible says, and suddenly, somebody shout, suddenly. Can I tell you, the Pentecostal church, it's still pretty sudden. Sudden things happen in the church. Can I tell you, it's not only bad things that happen in the church. It's not only bad things that happen suddenly. Sometimes we think the only thing that's going to happen quick is an accident, a car wreck. You're going to get a phone call. There are good things that happen fast. And one of them is when the church was born. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Can I tell you, the early church was a noisy place to be in. I'm just preaching the vision of the church. I'm not preaching being undecent or out of order or being foolish. But there ain't nothing wrong with clapping your hands. There's nothing wrong with lifting your voice. Oh, hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with getting excited. There came a sound and it came from heaven. My Bible says it was as of a rushing mighty wind. Can I tell you the church is mighty. It started mighty. It's mighty now. I said it's mighty right now. It's mighty right now. And it's going to be powerful till Jesus comes. Oh, I got to preach about the church today. Yeah. Bible says, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And then it says, and you can be seated if you like it, or stand if you like. I, I'm going to just preach for a while. I'm going to preach about the church. Bible says, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Now, I don't know all that was going on with the fire. I just know it was there and it was cloven. It sounds to me like there was fire floating around that room. Can I tell you, the church is still a miraculous place to be. It's still all about the supernatural. Don't take that from me. Don't take that from me. Don't take that from me. You can't take that from me. The devil's a liar. You can't take that from me. You can't take from me divine healing. My God is still a healer. Just as surely as Jesus opened the blinded eyes, he still opens the blinded eyes. Can anybody wave your hand and testify? He's a miracle worker. He's great. He can do it. He's alive today. I'm preaching about the church. Amen. And the Bible says, I'm just giving you the pattern. This is what you need to see. You need to forget about what your eyes have been seeing. You need to forget about what your ears have been hearing. You need to hear what the word of the Lord says. You need to see it like this. I don't care what anything else is going on. I know there's foolish people doing foolish things, but that's not the church. This is the church and the church is alive and well. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We heard it last night. It's still a moving, spirit-filled church. Oh, Holy Ghost, sweep across my heart. Oh, Holy Ghost, sweep across my church. Oh, Holy Ghost, baptize me when I pray. You gotta have the Holy Ghost. You gotta talk in tongues. You gotta weep and cry when you're talking. It's about the Spirit. It's about the Word. It's about the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. 
Amen, amen. I'm going too long, but I'm going to preach till I'm done today. The Bible says when they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance, I know it goes without saying. But can I remind you that this church today is not about confessing the Lord or shaking the preacher's hand. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're still going to talk in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Oh, hallelujah. I got to keep moving here. Verse 17. I'm talking about the church. Can you see it? I pray as I'm preaching. Oh, I'm, oh God, I'm here to fight for this vision. I know you believe it, but we got to fight for it. We got to fight for it. We got to fight. It's worth fighting for. It's worth tearing about. It's worth tearing some things down that the church can be vibrant and alive. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Acts 2 and 17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will, you can be seated. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And it says this. I like this. It says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It says, Your young men shall see visions. Can I tell you, Pentecost is not just for the elderly. Pentecost is not going to die off when this generation of elders die. I'm going to get to the elder in a minute, but I'm preaching about the young men. You know what's beautiful about this conference? We had a young men's session today. This place cares about young ministers. Can I tell you, there is a place for you in Pentecost where young men will stand up and with zeal and passion, love and defend and contend for the vision. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It says, and old men shall dream dreams. Man, is there still elders in this place today that get shouting happy, thinking about the church? You know what I like seeing is old, precious, gray-headed elders that have not been so scarred by life, that have not been made cynical by the reality of everyday grind and the backslidden condition of some. They've not been made cynical they still believe this one God message and they dream about it. They dream dreams. They dream dreams. They're, they're still, this Pentecostal message is still about the young and the old working together. Oh, hell, it doesn't put one against the other. It's not the elders fight the young men. Young men, you got some elders here that care about you, that love you, that love this truth. That's why we've got this conference going here today. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's doing well. Is there any young people that love the church? Any elders that love the church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the Bible goes on to say, I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath. Can I tell you, wonders and signs are still a part of the church. The Bible went on to say that Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Oh, I still love this message. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I still love seeing somebody talk in tongues for the first time. It's still part of the church. I love seeing somebody talk in tongues for the 100th time. Renewing in the Holy Ghost is still part of the church. The Bible goes on to say 
that with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untowards generation he was saying you need to be conscious of the wicked world you're living in save yourself you need to come out from among them you need to be separate saith the Lord you need to be holy you need to be righteous you need to be godly he's preaching new birth and holiness in one breath and then he says that then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day was added unto the church about 3,000 souls you know what that tells me doctrine and revival does go together right after and right on the heels of acts 238 239 240 3,000 people tallied up said where's the line i won't join this church if it means saving myself in this untoward generation if it means breaking with old friends if it means dressing different women if it means i don't cut my hair men i do trim i cut my hair get a good godly haircut if i don't wear makeup and jewelry and all that garbage where's the baptismal take i want to live for god I'm preaching about the church. I'm preaching the vision of the church. It's a glorious church. It's without spot or wrinkle or blemish. I've come to contend for it. Anybody believe what I'm preaching? It's alive and well. And the gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail against the church. Oh, clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. Come on, you ought to praise him. You ought to clap your hands like you really believe this. You ought to clap your hands like you believe the church is going on in revival, in power. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. It's all right if I preach just a little bit longer. Amen. You can be seated. I, that was the vision. Everybody say that was the vision. But it's also important not just to see the church. It's not just important to see it right with the eyes of faith that God gives. Can I tell you, it is important. It is so very important. It is important that we contend for this vision. I, I want to tell you, and I, I don't want to take too long to get there. But not everything that climbs up in a window is going to be the vision you want to look at. Not everything that tries to fill your eye is going to be the vision that God wants you to see of the church. Let me give you some examples. I read in the book, a book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 9. The Bible talks about Jehu that had been anointed to be king. And he, he comes to the palace where Ahab and Jezebel were. And you know the story. The Bible says that Jezebel, when she heard he was coming, she got ready. And the way she got ready is she painted up and she tired her head, whatever that means. She just got ready, ready, ready. She, she was just she's made up. She was made up. She was worldly as all get out. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And the Bible says that when Jehu got there, Jehu looked at some eunuchs that were there. And he asked this question, who is on my side who he repeats it twice and, and, and those eunuchs basically let him know yeah we'll help you out and he said you need to take that which is obstructing the vision that which is leaning out the window leering in your face saying this is the picture of the church today this is what it's about this is who we are 
you need to are you on my side and if you are you need to take that wicked woman and throw her down out of the window now i'm going to steal my dad's thought here real quick i love you daddy wouldn't be the first time amen But the Bible says that it was eunuchs that were there. I don't want to get too plain. That just basically means that they had no desire for that woman. There was nothing about her made-up condition that appealed to them. They didn't care if she made, if she she looked, she she bathed in makeup and, and was covered in it. It didn't matter if she had jewelry from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. Did not appeal to them. And I want to tell you, you got to get to a point where the world does not appeal to you before you can clean out vision. You're going to preach with me for a few more minutes. Amen. You, you, You can't love Hollywood and clean out Hollywood. You, you, you can't, you can't, I don't care if it's PG. I don't care if it's R. I don't care if it's, uh, Unrated. I don't care if it's Veggie Tales. I, I don't care if it's made in Hollywood. It may be in in India, Dollywood, or Bollywood, or wherever that is they call it. I don't care if it's made in London. I'm talking about the Hollywood genre. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about that which appeals to the flesh. I know we're in a changing world, but there's still a line there. You still know what Hollywood means. Don't play games with me. But if you love it. There's plenty of gray area to play with. If you love it, you'll be able to leave her in the window all day long. But I'm looking for a generation that in the back of their minds, they can see the church clean and pure and holy and right and righteous. And there's nothing about that world that appeals. Throw it out. Give me the church. Give me the glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Oh, Amen. But I, I want to go further than that. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't enough just to have some eunuchs up there that didn't love Hollywood and jewelry and makeup and worldliness and bad entertainment, all that stuff. There had to be a man sitting down there because those eunuchs had been in that palace for years and they never threw Jezebel out of the window. They were comfortable living with her. It takes more than just a dislike of the world to keep your church clean. You need to have a love for the church. Somewhere in Jehu's mind, he was anointed. He could see, hey, God's doing something here, and she don't belong in that window. I want to love the church. I don't want to love the world, but like Brother Townley said, I want to love Jesus. I want to balance there. I want to hate the things of the world, and I want to love the things of God. That's what will keep the vision clean. Anybody want to stand and contend for the vision? Hallelujah. Amen. There's some things that want to obscure your vision. I'm just going to preach. I'm just going to preach. I'm just going to preach. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? There are some things that will obscure your vision. And one of the greatest things that will obscure your vision is time. 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 I read in Acts chapter 20, the Bible says that Paul was preaching in a room. And this verse always gives me comfort. The Bible says that he taught until midnight. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel liberated. He was preaching until midnight. And there was this poor dude named Eutychus sitting in the window. And I don't know, he'd probably worked already and this long-winded preacher just would not stop. But time began to work on him. He began to get tireder and tireder, tireder and more disconnected from what was going on. 
till the Bible says he fell out of the window and died. And I'm talking to the church today. Listen, don't let time steal from you the beauty of what God is doing. Oh, you may have been in that city for 20 years. Don't let 20 years steal from you. That Acts chapter 2 still says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. And, and, and they were filled. And, and it was noisy. And it was... Don't let it steal. Don't sit in that window and go to sleep. And, and let the visions be stole from you. Young person, you may have been hearing all your life. Your daddy preached this message. I've come to tell you, it's still right. It's still right. Don't let weariness... Don't let it steal from you. Let us not be weary and well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Is anybody going to contend for the vision that God has given? Hallelujah. Amen. There's something else that will steal the vision. I read in 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, chapter 6 and 1 Chronicles chapter 15. There was a woman sitting in a window. A woman by the name of Michael. The Bible says she's there when one of the greatest events in the children of Israel's history happened. The Bible says that David, as we heard last night, was bringing the Ark of the Covenant home. The Bible says that, here it comes, I want you to see it. The, 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 the representation of the glory of God is on the shoulders of, of those priests. And, and David, the man of God, her royal husband, is leaping. He's shouting. He can see what God is doing. He's rejoicing. I mean, he is getting with it. He's, he's acting like some of you did down here last night. Uh, shouting and rejoicing. But up in that window, there was a woman sitting there in the window. She didn't see the glory. And she didn't see the praise and the worship. She saw a man making a fool out of himself. I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest thefts or thieves a vision is a critical attitude that looks at vision and says, no, it ain't going to happen. No, I've seen other people dream before. And it didn't happen. No, they may be having it over there, but they, they're doing something wrong over there. And, and it'll steal the vision of what God is doing. I'm going to tell you, the only correct response to that is to get that out of the window. David, the Bible says that she, you've heard it, that, that she never had children. She did not bear children after that day. And a couple of ideas about that. Maybe she just, God cursed her. But another idea is that David saw her, heard her, and said, I will not be with that kind of spirit. And I hope you hear me today. I'm just going to preach what God's laid on my heart. The vision is so beautiful. And it's so glorious. I refuse for a critical attitude to get a hold of Joel Booker. I refuse for a wounded spirit to get a hold of me. I refuse for me to get some kind of a fence down inside. Where I can't look out across this place and see the glory of God. See the beauty of what God is doing. I've made up in my mind. It's a glorious church. It's without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. There's nothing but beauty about it. It's beautiful for situation. It's the joy of the whole earth. Anybody glad to be a part of the church today? Oh, you ought to clap your hands and give God some praise right now. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love him. In fact, let's stand to our feet and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on, let's love him. Hallelujah. Oh, can you see the church? Has anybody got eyes that see the beauty? Can you see it as glorious? Can you see it as without spot or wrinkle or blemish? Can you see it as God's church that God is building? Can you see it as a lofty, lofty, beautiful vision that God has given? It's glorious and it's in this place today. Amen. I'd like us to remain standing and I... I really am almost done. There's something else that can really steal from our vision of what God is doing and of the beauty of the church. There is another thief that has stolen, tries to steal all the time. It's a thief called the past. It's a thief called what some would call reality. What I'm seeing right now in front of me. What I'm seeing right now in front of me. I was reading a story not too long ago, and if you don't mind, I'm going to relate this in closing. There was a man that was, he was a diver. He was a deep sea diver, and he'd often dive quite deep. He didn't do these little surface dives. but He'd take his scuba gear and go to depths of 100 to 150 feet. And he would often do it off the, the beaches of Miami Beach and down deep down, down deep there in the water. Miami Beach is a, it's a touristy area. A lot of expensive yachts cruise the surface of that water. And because of that, a lot of them drop stuff over the side, down, down to the bottom. Trash, garbage, things like that. This diver began to relate how that, something blew his mind. He said, you know, when you get down very far in water, you, you, you begin to lose color spectrums. If you understand the physics of light, you cannot see the color red through 150 feet of water. You can't get there. It's, it's, it, colors start to disappear the further you go because light cannot, just the way it works, it penetrates through the water. And yet, what, what amazed this man is he would get down there, and many times there would be different cans and so on, and I uh, apologize, this is the reference he used. It was a, there would be lots of Budweiser beer cans. And, and uh, apparently they're red. I don't, I've never tasted alcohol in my life. But what blew his mind is he, he'd get down there at the bottom of that ocean. In a colorless world where you could not see these colors. And, and yet with his eyes, he would, he would see those cans colored red. He would see them colored red. He knew it was... It was impossible. That was not what he... He could not see that. The eye and light and all, it does not work that way at that depth. And, and yet somehow his past, his preconceived notions, I hope you're listening to me today, had so colored that he was seeing what was not there. And I'm preaching to some of the greatest people in the world today. Preaching to me today. Preaching... If I could be so bold to saints, to moms, to dads, to children, to young people, to ministry. Some of the greatest preachers in the world are here. My, some heroes of mine. 
And I preach to us today about the church. Can I tell you, it is still a glorious church. It is a beautiful church. It is a church that's going on in revival. It's a church that's moving forward. I know there's problems and issues, but I've come to caution somebody today. There's something worth fighting for. Don't let your past color your present and future. Don't let what you've seen tell you that's how the church will be. I'm reaching for somebody today. I'm reaching for young people right now. I'm reaching for moms and dads. I'm reaching for families. I'm reaching for everybody that would say, Oh God, I want to see the church the way you do. I want to see the church, in fact, the way it is. I want the reality of the church. I want to go back home and if time has tried to steal from me what God is doing, I want to kick time out of the window. I want to rebuke worldliness. I want to rebuke, if it's a critical attitude that's stealing from me what God will and can and is doing, then God... I want it gone. I want my vision clear. And today, I'm open this altar. I know we've been coming, but I open this altar for somebody that would come to this front and say, God, it's a glorious church. It's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, and I want to see it the way you do. I want to see the future. I want to see the hope. I want to see the glory. I want to see the revival. That's it as we come. Let's lift our hands. Come on. Come on. Lift your voice to Jesus. It's a beautiful church.